<laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us this morning on this cold, rainy, it's supposed to be spring outside, I thought, but we, we had full, we had, we had winter, we had full spring, and then this is second winter, and then now spring comes up next, so, so, um, but thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, one is I'm supposed to tell you about the WMU meeting this week at Sander Green's home. Um, Joy has a pink slip. If you want to meet here and carpool to their house, because it says Sandra lives in Mooresboro. No. She, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that Mooresboro or not. So, but if you want to come here and meet here in carpool, get in touch with Joy. She said, also, any other questions about WMU, just reach out to her. Right, Joy? Right. There you go. She knows it all. And she'll let you know she knows it all. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Joy. Um, you're going to see a video in just a few minutes about our revival coming up. Keep those dates in your, in your mind. Um, very excited about that. Um, there's also a thing in the bulletin about it. Uh, starting March 27th, going through March 31st. And on uh, March the 30th, we'll be here at Crestview. And we will meet at different churches throughout that week. And we will close it out on April the 5th with a Holy Week service at Popular Springs Baptist Church. So keep that in mind. There is something in here about Easter egg hunt um, for the kids coming up. Saturday, April the 1st, hot dog lunch, 11 to 1. If you would be interested in donating candy, I have hundreds and hundreds of eggs. I just need candy to put in them. So if you want to donate candy to that, be greatly appreciated. You can leave it with me. If you don't see me on Wednesday, you can leave it in Artie's office or in the church office, and I'll be sure it gets to where it needs to be. Uh, next week is our business uh, meeting Sunday, so don't forget about that after the service. And the deacons meetings, if you're a deacon that morning. Um, I don't think there are any more announcements at this time. I just invite you to turn your hearts toward the Lord, and let's focus on him this morning. Good morning. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, thank you for allowing me to go and spend time with my family and my dad and mom um, last week. I do appreciate that. Just to give you an update, it's pretty much the same. Um, you're just taking it day by day as far as that goes. But I do have a couple other updates. Um, Brenda Dellinger is home. Um, they still don't know why she was having the problems. They did drain some fluid off of her lungs Thursday. Um, quite a bit of fluid off of her lungs Thursday. But she is home. She came home yesterday. And um, so continue to pray for her. Um, Sandra and Whitey are gone today. They're on their way back today, actually. Uh, Sandra's daughter's mother-in-law passed away and her funeral I believe was yesterday so they were there so travel pray for them and pray for uh, her son-in-law and his family as they are continuing to mourn continue to pray for Frank's Buff's family as he was laid to rest uh, this past Monday and there's several others Doyne, Allison, 
um, had a procedure last week to put some cement, for a lack of better word, in his burst fracture on, of his vertebrae. And so he is uh, doing well. He says the pain has subsided greatly. But uh, continue to pray for him because it's going to be a long process before he's able to, to bend and, and do different things. As of right now, Miss Linda is probably having to do a lot of, the, the, of everything at the house. So continue to pray for both of them as they recover. And at this time, like I said, thank you for being here. And uh, please join me in prayer as we begin our time together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, I pray that for this just a short hour that we will put aside our wants, our desires, our thoughts, what we're going to do this afternoon, what we've got to do this week, that just for this short hour we would set all of that aside so that we can fully focus on you today regardless of what it's doing outside, regardless of what's going on in the news, regardless of what's going on in our lives, You, Lord, and You alone are worthy of worship. And dear Lord, we are here today as Your children. We have come together to do just that, and that is to worship You. So dear Lord, I ask that Your Holy Spirit move among Your people. That you have your way with us today. That the gospel of Jesus Christ be proclaimed. And everything that is done and said here today will be to your honor and glory. And we give you all the praise. Because you are the author of creation. And you are the author of salvation. And you alone are worthy. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. What does the cross mean to you? For some, it means nothing. For some, it's a piece of jewelry, a fashion statement. For some, it's a symbol of fear a symbol of oppression. For some, it's a symbol of an old religion, mere superstition. But for all of us, it can be a symbol of hope. For in it, we can see the mind and heart of God. For God, the cross was his plan all along, his plan for salvation his plan to bring his people home. Join us March 27th through March 31st and April 5th as we answer the question, what is the cross? This time we have, we sing our call to worship and if you would like to use your hymnal at page 206, name a song is Blessed Be the Name, an old favorite. Please join, please stand while we sing, please. Verses one and four. Oh, for a thousand. 
chosen tongues to sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord of my God and King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I shall forget the day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus washed my sins away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. with me please most gracious heavenly father thank you so much for blessing us so abundantly as we offer our tithes and offerings to you lord we just ask that you take them and, and do great things with them and further thy kingdom for it's in thy name we pray amen thank you would you join us please in singing our hymn of worship namely it's on page 425 the name of the song is He Keeps Me Singing. <clears throat> Thank you. Please stand, please. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In a love like heaven. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go, soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my flight to earth. 
fields unknown, I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Thank you. Please be seated. Kids to come down forward this morning. What? Sweet Tater's not here again today. All right, guys, I'm excited. Do you know what gets me excited? Singing those hymns, especially when it's one that I like. All the hymns are good, but there's certain hymns that I just like really get into and I really enjoy. Why, am I, why do we sing those worship songs? What's so good about singing those worship songs? Tells us about Jesus, but we're singing how awesome Jesus is. That's the sweetest name I know. So I got a question. Who's ever got up in the morning and everything was starting off just right? You woke up, you weren't sleepy, you got up, your clothes were where you needed them. There wasn't anybody keeping you out of the bathroom. Everything is just a perfect day. You go outside, the sun's shining, and you, it, everything's going your way. And... Uh, you're just praising God because you're having a wonderful, awesome day, right? All right, so, so let's, let's flip that around a little bit. Who's ever got up so sleepy, so tired? Oh, so sleepy. Got up so tired, went to the bathroom. Your brother, and your, your brother or your sister was in the bathroom, and you really had to go to the bathroom. You're knocking on the door. Your sister comes out, your brother comes out, and they yell at you. And then you go outside, and it's raining, and it's cold, and you step in a mud puddle right before you get in the car to go where you're going to go, and now your pants all wet, and you just get in the car, and you really praise Jesus because you're having such a terrible day. Does that ever happen? You really, uh, well, it should. That's what, I, that's what I'm getting at today. It should. We need to learn to praise Jesus in the good times. And in the bad times, that's right. It's really easy to praise Jesus when we're having, when everything's going our way. But sometimes when things don't want to go our way, it's really hard to praise Jesus. I want to tell you a story about a lady named Fanny Crosby. Yes, that's her name, Fanny Crosby. She was six weeks old. I wrote down years, but it was, she was six weeks old after, when she was born. When she was born, after she was born, she got six weeks old and she got an infection in her eyes. And there was a man, in, there was somebody pretending to be a doctor, they weren't a real doctor, and so they gave her the wrong treatment for her eye, and she went blind. And so she was blind from the time she was six weeks old. Man, you think somebody that's blind, they have a rough life, Right? Well, guess what? This lady right here, this lady, Fanny Crosby, she wrote her first poem about God when she was eight years old. I looked in our hymnal, in our book of hymnal, just in our book. There's hymns, there's hymns all over that aren't in our hymnal book. She wrote 17 of the hymnals in our book. And in all, she has written over 8,000 hymns about praising and honoring Jesus. Isn't that awesome? 
and she was blind. She'd she, I'm six weeks old. She never remembers what it's like to see the sun, to see a flower or a bird. You can still write when you can't see, but and that's a whole other story. But the point is, is even though she had a rough life and didn't have the life that was ideal, she praised Jesus through it all. Isn't that awesome? So the next time you guys get up and you're having a bad day, maybe you get up and uh, your, your brothers and sisters are picking on you, you step in that mud puddle on the way out the door and it's cold and rainy and freezy outside and you got to go somewhere you don't want to go, remember to praise Jesus in the bad times just as much as we would in the good times. Why is that? Why, why, should we, why do you think we should praise Jesus? But why, why do you think so? Yes, put on your boots and you'll, and you'll have a better reason. And your shorts? Oh, well, yeah, that would work. But, um, but here's the thing. No matter how bad the things get around us in the world, remember that cross that was up there a while ago, that thing that said, what is the cross? That cross still exists. Jesus still died on that cross and rose again for us. No matter how bad things get, no matter how rainy it is, no matter how bad a day we're having, we still have hope that, and that faith in Jesus Christ that he is still our Savior. Isn't that awesome? So let's bow our heads and we're going to ask God to give us the strength to praise him even on the bad days, all right? All right, team. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, even though it's not sunny and warm like we want it to be, Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here this day and worship you and spend time together at you and your house. Lord, help us to remember to worship you even on the worst of days because no matter how bad it is, Jesus still gave his life on a cross so we could be forgiven for our sins. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I absolutely love children's time because you get very simple truths. Like when Teddy said, if you wear, pant or wear boots and shorts, you won't get your pants wet. That's the truth. But my favorite is you never know what they're going to ask. And when Chad, Lizzie... Or Izzy literally said, well, she was blind. How did she write? Those are questions that, I mean, people have. How did she write 17 hymns that are in the Baptist hymnal if she couldn't see the paper to write? Well, there's other questions that get asked. And I've been made aware of We've had several incidences over the past couple of years, the latest of which was last Sunday, 
where we have individuals that are coming and joining us in Sunday school and in um, church service, that they are challenging what Scripture says. And they're asking questions that not everybody may be able to answer. The latest of which is about who Jesus was. Challenging the fact that we believe that Jesus was God incarnate. That He was God in flesh. And, they, and, and there are certain groups that don't believe that. In fact, there is are, are, are one particular group that they have their own translation of the Bible. And for the first time ever, I actually pulled up this particular translation of the Bible on the Internet. The Internet's great when it comes to this. It's got a lot of bad stuff, but it's got good tools there that we, we have access to now, and I don't have to go digging through countless books to find this stuff. But their Bible interprets John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was God... Or in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was a God. That's how that, this particular group translates that verse. Our Bible says in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Big G. There's his little G. So I went and looked at the original language, the Greek. And if you literally translate or, or transliterate word for word and don't put it into our English syntax, what that verse says in the Greek is in the beginning, God was there. He got, was God. Or in, was the word. Logos is the word. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And then, that's where the transliteration changes because it says, the way it's written in, in, in Greek, it says, God Himself was the Word. It's translated for us in the English syntax that the Word was God. See, the interesting thing is, is that the Greek language, there are definite articles like the. There are definite articles in the Greek language. But there is no indefinite articles. There is not a word for a in the Greek language. In, in the Kiana Greek, the, the ancient Greek that the Bible is written in. But the fact that it literally says, the transliteration is, and God Himself was the Word. John did not mess up what he meant when he wrote that. He was literally saying that Jesus Christ was God. Because if you read the next 18 verses, and actually the entire book of John, we're going to look at several verses from writings of John today, but if you look at all that, his whole premise is the fact that Jesus was God. 
So today, we're going to look at this, Jesus the great I am. And to look at this, we're going to start back in the Old Testament. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. And everybody, most people know this story. So if you would stand and turn to Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It's also going to be on the screen as well as in your, your, your uh, bulletin. Now remember, what's going on here is that Moses had killed the slave master in Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt. He, he saw the, uh, the, the slave master beating one of the Hebrews slaves and he killed the slave master and then took off and ran and he's been out in the wilderness for 40 years he is now a shepherd for his father-in-law tending his flocks and he's out in the wilderness tending these sheep and goats and he's out there one day and he looks over and he sees a burning bush but there was something interesting about this burning bush is that the bush was not burning up it was just burning it was a fire in this bush so he said, I want to go take a closer look at that. So he walks over there and he starts to look at it. And then a voice comes out of the bush and it tells him, Moses, where you stand, are standing is the holy ground. Take off your sandals. And, and he begins conversing with the bush. And, and, and God, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I have heard their cries. I have heard their prayers. And I am ready to do something. And Moses goes back and forth with God a little bit. And then this is what happens. Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses is basically saying, who do I tell him sent me? And then God answers, he says in verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for what we see recorded here in the book of Exodus. Thank you for sharing your name with us. That we may know you better. Speak through me today that we may understand Jesus's, the fact that Jesus was God. Thank you so much. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So the name of God. Again, look at, at these verses. Just look at the last part, verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. See, this, the, the Hebrew word, Translated here, I am, is Haya. H-A, it's transliterated H-A-Y-A. Haya. Many people believe this is the personal name of God. Many people believe that the, the word Yahweh 
which is Latinized to Jehovah, which is God's name. It means Lord, or not Lord, it means God. Is, a tra- is derived from this same word because they are similar in how they sound and how they are used. You see, in, in, in the Hebrew way of thinking, the word I am or even God, it's not necessarily, it's, it's not the same as when we say I am. It is His essence. It is the fact that He is self-sufficient. He is not dependent on anyone else other than Himself. He is self-sustaining. When He says, I am, it, is, it encompasses I was, I am, I will be. It is a continual, everlasting Everything that we know about God, the fact that He's omnipresent, omnipotent, uh, 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 that He is all-knowing, all of that is encompassed in this name. You see, He told Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew Me. But you're going to know Me on a totally different level. You're going to know Me in a more personal way than they knew Me. See, Moses eventually went up onto the mount and spent time with God. One-on-one. And in fact, it says that when Moses came down off the mountain, that they could not even look at him because he shone with the Shekinah glory of God. The glory of God reflected off of his skin even when he was not in the presence of God. That's how well he knew God and how close he was to God. This same man. So you see, in in the Hebrew way, and even during this time of the Old Testament, and even now in some cultures, a name was given to somebody to describe their characteristics, their attributes. They didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I want to name my son Bob. No reason, I just like the name Bob. But, in, but a lot of, you know, in, in the Indian cultures, they were named for different things. Like, they, a child may get the name like Wounded Wolf or something like that because they were, they were beaten like a dog or something like that as an infant. They weren't necessarily always given a name when they were younger. And God changed people's names in the Bible to reflect what was happening in their life. So when we think about the attributes of God in this, this name, I am, let's look a little bit about these, these attributes. Turn over to Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 8. Again, here John is writing what he has seen and being told in this revelation that he is receiving from God. And it says here in verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. There, right there, God gives His attributes. You see, Alpha is the first letter 
in the Greek alphabet. That's how the Greek alphabet begins with alpha. And omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. The end of the alphabet. So just like when we say, if something has it from A to Z, what do we mean? It has the beginning, end, and everything in between. You know, Amazon's logo is an A and an arrow. And it, then it, if you look at it, the way it's put together, it's got the arrow that goes from A to Z, meaning they have everything. That's what God means when he says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, and I have all of it in between. That is God's attribute. And then he goes on and says, I am I was, I am, and I will be. The, the name Yahweh and the name I am, they go hand in hand. They are the same. And God is literally saying, I was back before time began. I am here now and I will be when time ends. He, that is what he's saying. I was, I am, and I will be the Almighty. <clears throat> now look in your Bibles, and even on the screen with that verse where it says, Almighty, that's capitalized. That is part of God's name, the Almighty. So what does all of this have to do with Jesus? Well, Jesus, in his three-year ministry, he made a lot of statements, a lot of I am statements. And there are two things that he was doing when he made these I am statements. One, he was revealing himself as God. He was making a claim that he was God. See, I could never understand before I started studying why the Jews got so bent out of shape when Jesus made these I am statements. I mean, they literally got tore off the hinge when he made these statements. I am. They, would, they, they got violent. And I never understood why until I understood that he was literally revealing that he himself was God. And that's what they were getting upset about because his claim that he was God. But then the second thing that he was doing when he made these I am statements is he was revealing more about his character and attributes. He was revealing more about God. You see, when God told Moses that he was going to know him on a different level than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did, that he was going to know him in a different way. See, we get to know God in a totally different way than Moses did. Because we have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we know God, you know, 
We are adopted through Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty, the Alpha and Omega, the King of the universe, the makers of heaven and earth. We are His children through Jesus Christ. But we know Him in a different way. We know Him like we know our parents. We know Him like we know our closest friends. We know Him as the one that, could, can, that has come in and healed us. That knows everything about us. You know, Scripture tells us that He knows the hairs on your head. Or He knows the number of hairs on your head. You can look at that two ways. One, He's counted every hair in your head. And He knows how many hairs. With me, that has become easier and easier to do. But if you literally look at that, He knows you so well that when you take that shower and you take that hair out of the drain, He knows which numbers of the hair, like 2,657, that's that number of that hair that's in that drain. That's how intimately God knows you through Jesus Christ. So let's look at some of these I am statements here. And in in, in, in all of these are recorded in John, the ones I'm mentioning. I am the bread of life. John 6, 48. He literally says in that verse, this is the whole verse, I am the bread of life. See here, Jesus is revealing the fact that God is our sustainer. That He as God is our sustainer. That Jesus gives us all we need. And then He says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The illuminator. John chapter 1 says that he was the, when Him was light, and the darkness did not perceive it, He was the light of man. Here Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus brings light into our dark world. Think about this. I remember back before I accepted Christ as my Savior. It was, I was miserable. Literally, I was miserable. I was scared to go to sleep at night. I started wearing my seatbelt back before it was required by law because I was afraid I was going to crash and die. I was miserable. And the moment I prayed to accept Christ, my world changed. There was not fear anymore. There was not sadness. I was not miserable. I felt like I was floating on clouds. The weight 
of everything that I'd been carrying was gone. And I could see clearly what I could not see before. Jesus says, I am the door. Look at uh, John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, Jesus is the mediator. Jesus bridges that gap that sin created between us and Him. See, God, when He created us, there in the garden, and Adam and Eve committed that sin, there immediately became a, a, a block, a break in that relationship. And Jesus made a way for us to enter into God's presence. You see, when, when God had gave Moses the rules to set up the tabernacle, and he had them build the tabernacle, and he, placed a, he had them place a curtain, probably the world's biggest curtain at this time, between the holy place and the, and, and, and the holy... Nobody could go in there where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. It was separated from everybody. And one time a year, the high priest was allowed to go in there. And they literally tied a rope around the ankle of the high priest and they put bells on the bottom of their robes so that they could sit and listen on the outside of that curtain. And if if the jingling ever stopped as he was moving around, if the jingling stopped, that meant that God did not accept the sacrifice that he was presenting and that they would pull the lifeless body of the high priest out while never entering into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, that same curtain was in the tabernacle, separating where God sat from everything else. And when Jesus cross or Christ died on the cross, guess what happened to that curtain? It was ripped from top to bottom. It was ripped where no man could reach it. No man could have tore that curtain with it hanging there in the temple. But it was ripped from top to bottom because Jesus Christ, when He gave His life for us and He died on the cross, He made a way for us to come into the presence of God. He is the door. Then He says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, a good shepherd will defend his sheep. 
and even put his life on the line to protect his sheep. We are his sheep. Jesus loves us. He takes care of us. And he laid his life down so that we could be saved. Then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. See, when Jesus Christ died and he rose again on the third day, he defeated death. He defeated hell. And he defeated the grave. And even if we are, our faith is in Jesus Christ, and even if we die here on earth, we will live for eternity with Him. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking about saints. And I said, according to Scripture, we are the saints. All those who came before us, all those that come after us that put their faith in Jesus Christ, is our personal Savior, that are washed in the blood. We are the saints. We are the ones that are written about in Revelation. That John says he saw the saints of the Lord singing His praises. People, that's us. That's all of the ones that came before us. That's us, and it's the ones that will come after us until Christ comes back. But that's us. He is our resurrection. He is our life. And then He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right there, Jesus tells us something very important. He tells us that all this other stuff about doesn't matter what you believe, we all serve the same God, doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe it with your whole heart and as long as you work hard enough, and as long as you do good enough that you'll get to go to heaven. It doesn't matter what it is, who you believe in. It doesn't matter. Buddha, Muhammad, Islam, we're, it's all the same. Jesus right here says that's not true. Because it says what? How do we get to the Father? How is the only way we get to the Father? Through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way. The only way to get there. Then he says, I am the true vine. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. See, Jesus is our source. 
See, when we're connected to the vine, all the sustaining things, the, the, the nutrients, the strength, the power, the ability to produce fruit, all comes because we're connected to that vine. You have a grapevine and you cut off one of the limbs off that grapevine. What happens to that limb that's not connected to the vine? What happens to it? It dies. Does it produce fruit? No. But the ones that are still connected to the vine, what happens to them? They grow. They flourish. They produce big bunches of grapes. That's the way we are with Jesus. Jesus is our source. If we stay in Him, we will continue to bear fruit, we'll continue to grow, and we will thrive. All of these statements. Jesus was telling us, He was revealing more about Himself. He was revealing more about God. And in these statements, Jesus was making this claim. And it is true. I am God. In other parts of Scripture, He says, I and the Father are one. In John chapter 1, it goes on and says, literally says that the Word and God are the same. In verse 1, it says that. But it goes on and reveals the fact that the, the, the Word dwelt among us. He tabernacled with us. He lived with us. God in flesh. You see, this same group that, that teaches that Jesus was not God also teaches that the only way they're going to we're going to get to be able to go to heaven is if you belong to this particular group of this religion and then you have to work yourself to death to be one of only 144,000 people that get to go to heaven. Which again is a mistranslation of what Scripture says. By grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is nothing that we can do to earn our way to heaven. It is only through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, the shedding of His blood, that we are able to have salvation. That perfect sacrifice. John 3.16 And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, His one and only Son, so that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is only through Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all one. They have the same substance. People say, well, how can that be? 
This is a, a, a very bad example. But the closest thing that we have here on earth to be able to describe that is H2O. In its liquid form, H2O is what? Water. But H2O, when it gets below the 32 degrees Fahrenheit, what happens? It, it freezes and it becomes ice. The solid form of H2O. And then if you get it above 212 degrees Fahrenheit and it begins to boil and it becomes what? Steam. The gaseous state of H2O. It is still H2O. But you've got the solid, you've got the liquid, and you've got the gas. It's all the same thing, just in different forms. That's the way God is. I am. You've got God the Father. I am. You've got God the Son. I am. And you've got God the Holy Spirit. I am. All of them are the same substance but in different form. So anytime anybody challenges you and says God and Jesus are not the same, you take them to John chapter 1 and you show them there in verse 1 and tell them the Greek literally says He Himself God was the Word. That's the literal transliteration of those words. Jesus is the great I Am. Now my question to you today is this. What are you going to do with that? With Jesus being the great I Am, how are you going to apply that to your life? Have you come to know Him as your personal Savior? Have you trusted Him? Have you allowed Him to be Lord of your life? I mean, surrendered everything to Him. Have you got to that point? If you haven't, this is your opportunity to do that. Before we leave here today, come talk to me. Come up during this next song. Come up and talk to me. I will tell you how to accept Christ as your personal Savior. It is as easy as ABC. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior and you've never followed Him in believer's baptism, signifying that you have died with Christ and you want to be baptized, come forward. We will set up. I think we're planning on having a baptism on Easter Sunday. Come up. We will get you included in that. If you don't have a church home and you want to become part of this fellowship, come forward and let us know that. The only requirements for, for membership into our congregation is a belief in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and believer's baptism. Those are the only two requirements. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, do it during this invitation time. Don't leave this place 
without doing what God is telling you to do right now. You stand, please. 576. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being here. Remember, Wednesday night, 6.30, we have a Bible study in here. We're continuing to study Galatians. Youth and children have Bible study in the building. Choir practice immediately following the service. Don't forget about our, uh, our revival services with uh, five other churches that will be taking place the end of March. That is coming up quickly. Um, again, we are going to be here at our church on the 30th, Thursday the 30th. So we hope that you can join us to all of those services. We're going to begin at Beaver Dam on that Monday. And um, we're going to go visit all the other churches. We'll finish up on um, the 5th. Um, at Poplar Springs with a, com a, a, a community communion service and Holy Week celebration. So we hope that you can join us there. And at this time, I'm going to ask Joy if she would come and dismiss us in prayer as we leave this place today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us and for being the great I am. We are just so appreciative that you sacrificed your son to save us from our sins, God. We just asked you to be with all of us as we leave this place today and bring us back at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>